has truly blessed our church with a whole bunch of young families and preschoolers. Isn't that great, guys? Praise God. One of our core values is ministering to young families, and we're doing it, guys. It's great. We believe that success without a successor is failure. And if we don't have something to hand off to the next generation and that their lives can be impacting other people and the world for Jesus Christ, then really we have failed as much as success as we could have in our lives. But it's great to see the next generation here in this church actively involved in learning about Jesus and their lives being touched with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why don't you pray with me this morning as we get ready to go together to God's word today. Father, we know that there are many distractions this time of year that could pull us away from hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we just pray that there would just be a pause, that you would would cause all of the other voices that try and, um, that, that, that try and vie for priority in our minds. And we just pray for the next 30 minutes or so that God, you would reign in our hearts, in our minds, that all of the the busyness, all of the distractions, all of those other things would just fade into the background of what you would want to do in our hearts and lives today. So God, help our, our minds to be attentive and sharp, our spiritual ears to be ready to hear uh, the things that you would speak to us. So God, just uh, we're, we're ready. We want to hear from you, Lord. So use your word to speak to our hearts and our lives convey the message that you would have for each of our hearts today, we pray, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. How many did their homework for the week this last week? Anybody do your homework? Okay. We were supposed to ask people, hey, how are you doing? And we were supposed to see how many, what we got? How many busies we got, right? How many at least got one busy? Anyone? Put your hands up. Okay, quite a few, quite a few. Got at least one busy. Yeah, I I know that even when people were asking me, I mean, it was backfiring on me this week. People were asking me, hey, Pastor Jonathan, how you doing? And I go, blessed, you know, or something like that. I I wanted to say it, but I knew that I couldn't. Uh, And uh, it was, there were were just so many times that, that that happened. I was talking to different individuals. And we live in a busy culture, don't we? Uh, our culture, all of the things that are going on around us, especially this season, um, we, we continue. All of us probably struggle with uh, overfilling our schedules or being too busy. You know, uh, but it, it really, there are tragedies to being too busy. Last week, we talked about how we can get so busy that we miss something really, really important that God has for us. And none of us would want to get to the place in our lives that we would become so busy that we would miss those still small voice moments that God has for us, and we would just walk right past those opportunities or the things that God has for us. Also, we talked about last week how our relationship with God can suffer when we allow busyness to override our heart, when we can get so busy that God is left on the background of our lives. So this week, we're going to continue in our series that we're having this Christmas season at Wofford City Assembly of God, which is Too Busy for Jesus. And we're going to look at some characters in the Bible story today that weren't too busy for Jesus. 
that they actually readjusted their current schedule to do the things that God wanted them to do. And so I believe that there are strong applications from God's word today that we can, that we can pull from these and uh, that we can really apply to our lives in the Christmas season as busy as our culture tries to get us to be. So this morning, why don't you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we'll read a pretty common passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And we're going to look at how Mary, the mother of Jesus, responds to the angel when he comes and tells her that she's going to have a different pregnancy than any other woman has ever had or ever will have. But in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, it reads this way. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be very great. He will be called the Son of the Most High God, or the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in the sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary was chosen for a task, one of the greatest tasks known to humankind, to carry in her womb the Christ child, the savior of the world. This was a significant commitment that Mary was making. It wasn't something that you could, when Jesus started potty training, that she could go, well, you know what, God? She gets down on her knees and says, God, I really didn't sign up for this, as many parents do about that stage. And she didn't, she didn't have that opportunity. You know, God had called her to a commitment to, to raise this child that would be the son of God. And you know what? She was called to both an incredible task, but a difficult task. You know, guys, something that you have to understand clearly is that when God calls you to do something, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. Just because God asks you to do something, it doesn't mean that it's going to be simple or because God's blessing is upon it, it's always just going to be roses and you're going to have everything that you need all of the time. It's not going to be a struggle. Uh, You know, Mary still had all of the the mother chores, the things that she was tired and and the nights, uh, sleepless nights many times and all of those things. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. In fact, there were things that no mother should go through that Mary actually went through. Do you remember at the close of Jesus' life when Mary had to stand and watch her 
son be accused falsely of crimes that he didn't commit. She watched as they whipped his back and they beat him so that he was unrecognizable to anyone else but her. Then they hung him on a cross and they, they laughed at him and, and spit on him and mocked him and, and, and they cried at him, said, if you're truly the son of God, come down from that cross. And Mary stood The Bible says right near the cross, watching all of these things. A thing that a mother should never have to endure. Just because God calls you to do something doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But Mary, as the angel comes to her, she could have never known what she was signing up for. But her response to the angel in that moment was very significant. She surrendered herself and she said, Lord, I am your servant. May everything you say come true. God, I'm your servant. I believe, guys, that in that moment right there, Mary basically took all of the plans that she, all of the dreams that she had, all of the plans, all of the things that she was going to accomplish with her life, and in that moment right there with the angel, she took them all and she crumpled them all up and she threw them out the window and said, God, all of the stuff that I had for my life, you know what, God? I will put it to the side and I will be your servant and do anything that you ask of me from this day forward. Pretty significant. Mary wasn't too busy to obey. She wasn't too busy with her own plans and all of the things that she uh, had. You see, guys, have you ever struggled with disobedience to the voice of God because you had something else to do? Anyone ever struggled with that? Yeah, yeah. a couple people raised their hand. You didn't have to, but if you want to tell everybody, that's fine. Um, But, you know... This happens to us sometimes. Many times, the greater struggle isn't that we don't want to do what God wants us to do. It's that we don't have time to do what God wants us to do. Isn't that right? That sometimes we hear the voice of God, and we we know what to do, or we are struggling. Sometimes my obedience... There is more control over my obedience by my time calendar than by my heart. I want to do the things that God wants me to do, but I I allow all of these other things. So maybe obedience has less to do with listening and more to do with the priorities that I set in my life. If we understood that much like Mary, God has called us to do something great, With her life, she surrendered and said, God, whatever you would have me do, I'll do it. God, do you think that possibly that God could have a similar plan for your life? Yes, you may not carry or raise the Christ child, but you might be called to raise a a child to serve Christ. Or maybe God has called you to the exact office or the job that you work and he is asking you to do something significant there to shine the light of Jesus. Maybe there's a neighbor that God has strategically placed your house right next to them or your farm right down the road from them and God has called you to bless them and pour into their life and somehow minister and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Your, your task is no less than Mary's. 
that God significantly placed you right where you're at so that you could accomplish his will. But the question is, will you answer in a similar fashion than Mary, that Mary did? And it was, I'm your servant, Lord. Whatever you ask of me, I'll do it. If we truly are God's servants, then we can't afford to get too busy so that we don't obey God. If we're God's servants, obedience should be our number one priority. It's wonderful that we see that Mary wasn't too busy to accomplish the things that God wanted her to do. There's another group of people that did a great job. If we want to turn, who weren't too busy, we want to turn to Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Matthew 2, 9 through 11. Be up on the screen. We read a portion of this last week. This is the wise men. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And went ahead of them, and, they, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother and Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think the thing that we can see here is that the wise men weren't too busy to worship Jesus. There's a lot of things that the wise men did well here. They, they had significant finances that were placed into uh, this trip, and they were obedient, much like Mary, traveling to follow a star, even though they had just a portion of what God told them to do. But the thing that really stuck out to me here is the wise men and the way that they worshiped. They bring their best gifts fit for a king. They passionately search out the Christ child. Can you imagine that day that when they came knocking at Mary's door and uh, Joseph was maybe off in the carpentry shop and Mary was with the baby there and these three men who looked very different than anyone in their culture of that day knocked on the door and she was wondering who these men were and they came into the room and they began to bow down at the feet of your child They began to worship and call out blessings on this child. The king, the king of the Jews, the king whose reign will last forever and ever. And they continue to worship him and you just sit in the corner wondering what is going on. And then they begin to open these packages that they have carried for miles and miles and and great, uh, beautiful packages of gold and, and, and frankincense and myrrh. And they unwrap these and they set them at the feet of your child. You sit there and go, man, this is amazing. And they made sure that Jesus was honored and adored and worshiped. You see, guys, I think that it's important in our, the busyness of the Christmas season that we don't forget to take special times to worship Jesus. And I, Pastor Brady Boyd uh, wrote in his book, uh, Addicted to Busy, this is a great book, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more next week. 
But this is one of the things that he wrote in his book. He says, it's never my performance that God is after. It's my praise. And praise requires that I take my focus off myself and place it on what God's up to and on who he is instead. It's that we take the focus off ourselves. Where does busyness place the focus on? Ourselves, right? And during the busyness of the, of the Christmas season, could it be so important that we would take all of the focus off ourselves and all of the busyness and all of the things that we have to do and accomplish, and we would place all of it, all of our attention on God, and we would say, God, I want to refocus my mind. I want to refocus my heart. I think that we revert to performance many times in our Christian lives. We just go through the motions of going to church and being religious and, well, God, I'm really busy during this Christmas season, but we'll catch up on Christmas Eve when I'm holding the candle and holding the communion cup and we'll we'll be good in that moment. We sing a few songs and we call it worship. But do we really take the focus off of ourselves and begin to place it on God? Begin to push him to the place of honor and, and adoring him? Do we take time to worship God at Christmas? To listen to the words of the Christmas hymns? The glory and the majesty that is woven through all of the symbolism of Christmas. What you have to understand in worship is that you can't hurry intimacy. You can't hurry intimacy. Sometimes we like to say, well, God, I'm going to do my devotions, or I'm going to read, or I'm going to pray, or I'm going to worship, and we set this time frame, and we're in a hurry, and and we try and do all this. Listen, if you were going out on a date, let's just imagine, I, I know there's, most people are married in the room here, but there's some people that aren't, but let's just say that you were going on the first date with your spouse for the first time, you're dating them for the first time. And the whole time that you are, um, the whole time that you're sitting there eating the meal, they're so busy, caught up in a bunch of other things, and they're always looking at their watch, and they're always thinking about, they're answering their phone, or they're texting, and I know some of you didn't date when there was texting, and that's probably why you got married, and so that's really good. (laughs) But, you know, when you think about this, when you think about this, If a person is too busy to build an intimate relationship with them, with you, would you really want to marry that person? And I think it's sometimes the same way with God, that we got a whole lot of things going on and we're trying to date God, we're trying to build intimacy, and intimacy is something that is built not quickly, but about spending time together, about not worrying about the next thing. So I would encourage you to, to try and find segments in your, in your life where you can, you can spend time with God that's not hurried or rushed or uh, where, where, you, where we get to this place where we're just trying to go through the motions, where it's more about a performance than it is about praise. So we want to encourage uh, our hearts to, to be close to God in an intimate way. You see, guys, the wise men, they weren't too busy to worship. It was their purpose to worship. They had come a long ways to do that. They weren't just going to lay their things at the feet of Jesus and run out. They wanted to bring their best. They wanted to take their time. 
They wanted to love on this new king. The last group of people that weren't too busy were the shepherds, and it's found in Luke chapter 2. If you want to flip over there, Luke chapter 2. It says that night there were shepherds staying in the nearby fields, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The shepherds weren't too busy to tell everyone about the good news of Jesus. They experienced God in a powerful way. And they didn't just go back to herding their sheep or their normal life again. Instead, they took time to share what God had done in their lives, to share the good news of the Messiah, the great joy with all of the people. These guys were excited. When we come to a true revelation of Jesus Christ, we can't help but tell others the good news about what he has done. But we can get distracted and busy and selfish. And when we're too busy with life, we overlook telling others about the good news of Jesus, even at Christmas time. Guys, don't let busyness influence the message that God has given you for the the world. And that God has given you the, the amazing opportunity of this Christmas season to proclaim that the Savior has been born. You see, guys, if we truly believe that we are the messengers that God has for this beautiful message of reconciliation, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then how, how good of messengers are we? Would, if a messenger had a message, you would just go and give the message, wouldn't you? But what if a messenger decided, well, I got the message, but you know what? I need to go to lunch first, and then I need to go over here, and I need to do this. And then all of a sudden, a week later, he's washing his jeans, and he pulls out of the pocket of the jeans. It's all washed and crumpled. He goes, oh, man, I had the message. I forgot to give it to somebody. You know, that wouldn't be a very good messenger. And I think sometimes, guys, we, we get so caught up in the, in the busyness of our lives that we forget that the most important thing that we have to do on this earth is to be the messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the most important job that we have. Bob Buford wrote something. I think sometimes when we, 
when we get so caught up in busyness. We think that if we can fill our life with busyness, it means that our life, therefore, is important. If, if we can fill our, our schedules, the more busy we are, the more important we actually are to the rest of the world. But really, what could be more important than a messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Bob Buford writes this in his book, Halftime. He says, the feeling of being hurried or busy is not usually the result of living a life full or a full life and having no time. It is, on the contrary, born of a vague fear that we are wasting our life. Do you see that? I want you to look at this one more time, guys. Many times we try and fill our lives because we think that if we are in a hurry, then we're important. But it says the feeling of being hurried or busy is not usually the results of living a full, uh, a full life and having no time. It is on the contrary, born of a vague fear that we are wasting our life. You see, guys, God has not called us to be busy. He's called us to be obedient. He has called us not to performance, but he has called us to worship. He's looking, he, he isn't looking for people with great amounts of ability. He's really looking for people with a willingness of availability. When we're too busy for Jesus, we lose focus of things that are really important. Guys, don't let busyness influence your obedience to God. Don't let busyness influence your worship. Don't let busyness influence the message that God has given you for the world. Are you available to God? You see, throughout Scripture, there's a ton of people who were available to God. There's some great examples. In fact, I'm really glad that Noah wasn't too busy to build the ark. And I'm really glad that Moses wasn't too busy to lead a nation. I'm really glad that Joseph wasn't too busy to interpret a dream. And I'm glad that Samuel wasn't too busy to anoint a shepherd boy. And I'm glad that the same shepherd boy wasn't too busy to stop at the brook and pick up five smooth stones. And I'm really glad that the same shepherd boy, when he grew up and had a son, his name was Solomon. I'm glad that Solomon took the time and wasn't too busy, the wisest man on earth, to pen the writings that he did for us under the anointing of God. I'm really glad that Isaiah wasn't too busy for the prophecy of the coming Messiah. I'm glad that Nehemiah wasn't too busy to build a wall, as insignificant as we might think that is. I'm really glad that Hosea wasn't too busy to marry a prostitute. I know that sounds really odd, but you know what, guys? That beautiful picture of God asking that prophet to marry a prostitute shows me that even in my greatest rebellion, God still loves me. And in Romans 5, 8, it says that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it shows me the beautiful picture. I'm so glad that Hosea wasn't too busy. I'm really glad that Mary wasn't too busy to listen to the voice of God or the wise men weren't too busy to sit and worship at the feet of Jesus. I'm glad that the shepherds weren't too busy to tell the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm really glad that the 120 on the day of Pentecost that were up in the room weren't too busy to pray. 
I'm really glad that Paul wasn't too busy to go to jail for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or John the Revelator wasn't too busy to write down the beautiful uh, prophecies of Revelation so that we know how the end of the story happens. I'm so glad that Jesus wasn't too busy while he was here on earth to bind up the brokenhearted and to set the captives free. I'm glad that he wasn't too busy to open the eyes of the blind and and sometimes stop funerals because a young boy instantly became awake and the funeral stopped. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't too busy to talk to a woman at the well that was an outcast to society and talk deep into the night with Nicodemus where he shared with Nicodemus John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't too busy to have that conversation with one man. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't too busy to stand in my place and take the stripes that were due me on his back. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't too busy to hang on the cross in my place. I'm glad that Jesus wasn't too busy to fulfill the plan and the purpose of his life. It's found in the next verse, John 3, 17. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Could it be that the significance of your life is not so much tied to your ability, but rather your availability to not be too busy to the things that God has called you to do? Guys, in this Christmas season, I challenge you, don't be too busy for Jesus. I want to close in prayer, but I have something else that I need to do here first. I think that there are some people in the room here, and I just felt like I needed to not be too busy today to do this. So bear with me. I think there's some people in this room that, um, that you feel like your life is insignificant because it's broken. You think that, the, that because your life is, is not as perfect as all of the other people around you, and that it looks kind of like this, that you think that, that God could never use a person like me. Because I don't look quite right, I don't have it all together like everyone else, but I want you to understand clearly that that is why Jesus came to this earth. That was his purpose, was to take broken people and build them back together into something beautiful. And so listen this morning, I believe that there are people in this room, and I didn't want to be too busy to do this, but I believe that there are people in this room today that you would look at your own life and you look at it and it's broken and useless and it is unusable and unsalvageable and I want you to know something very, very important that that is the purpose that Jesus came to this earth was to take our lives that were broken and ruined and insignificant and devalued and to place them back together and piece them into something beautiful. Would everyone close your eyes for just a moment? I just want to ask if there's a person in this room today that I didn't just waste a cup for no reason. 
but that there would be someone in this room today that would say, Pastor Sheldon, my life is broken and ruined. The secret things of my life are cracked. I feel like I am of no value to God, to others around me. I have no significance to my life. I'm broken, I'm wounded. But if God would have me today, I'd be willing to surrender my life to God and give him all of the broken pieces of my life and turn them over to him for him to make something beautiful. Is there even one person in this room that you would say, Pastor Sheldon, I'd like to surrender my life to Jesus Christ today. I've come to an understanding in this moment how much God loves me and how significant my life could be if it were surrendered to him. Is there anyone in this room today? Would you just wave your hand or look up at me today? Thank you, ma'am, at the back. Anyone else? Once you raise your hand, put your hand down. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes, buddy. Thank you, sir, at the back. You can put your hand down. Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Anyone else? Thank you, sir. Yes. Anyone else? Thank you, buddy. Yes. Thanks. We're going to pray together. Is there even, even one more or two more people? That, thank you. Yes. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. I see your hand. You can put it back down. Yes. The back up here in the front. Absolutely. Yeah, I see that hand. Way at the back, buddy. All right. I'd like to pray with you today. Whether you prayed the prayer or not today, I'd ask that as a congregation, could we just pray together with our friends that have responded to this today with a prayer like this? Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come with all of my brokenness and I lay those pieces at your feet. Forgive me for going my own way, filling my life with sin, and brokenness. I turn it all over to you and I give my life to be available for your plan. You are my Lord and my master. I surrender to you today. Come into my life and rebuild all of the pieces of brokenness for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't be too busy for Jesus, guys. We have the message of reconciliation that God has given us to this world. Let's not be too busy to be obedient, not be too busy to worship, and not too busy to spread the good news of great joy. Lord bless you guys. Have a great Christmas season.